Beautifully Broken Friends. Welcome to my Beautifully Broken podcast. It feels so good to be back writing and expressing everything that God's doing in my heart and in my life. And I'm just thrilled that God laid on my heart to start this podcast. I'm a huge fan of podcasts. I love to listen to them. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but my day gets so busy. I'm like, oh, I just, I wish I had time to read that. But I can definitely listen to a podcast while I'm doing the laundry or out for a walk or whatever it is. So I'm really excited to be doing this with you. Thank you so much for giving this a listen. And I hope that it speaks to you in some way. So let me start out by saying that I need to explain a little bit about why I've taken such a break from even blogging. And I guess there's just no easy way to get around it, but December is the best and worst month for me. It's truly bittersweet. And, you know, the thing about Christmas and the holidays is they're so great. They're so warm and magical and just full of love and just everything that you get it so excited for each year. Greg and I loved Christmas. I mean, it was a big thing in our house and we did it up so much. You know, the tree and the cookies for Santa and the gift wrapping and the presents, you know, hidden. <laughs> they had to follow the string. I mean, we were like little kids in the candy shop. We just were so excited for Christmas every year. And I still feel that way, except that, you know, there's that loss there that you experience of, well, you know, it, it's these great memories, but they're not nearly what they were. And so for me, when when Christmas came around, when the holidays came around again this year, I think I just thought to myself that, well, you know, it's been four years it's going to be fine this year. I'm just going to breeze right through it. And that's not what happened at all. I don't know if it's because my dad recently passed away. And so there was that element going on too. But anyways, I hate to say it, but I let myself get into a place of isolation and a place of depression. And, you know, you just get in the rut where you think, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to see anyone. You know, a nap sounds really good. Let me just lay in bed all day and feel sorry for myself. And sorry to say, that's where I ended up. I just got hit by the holidays and they, the joy that I normally feel just kind of, I let ebb out. And of course, during this time, I pushed God away. I pushed family away and friends away. And, you know, you think that you're protecting yourself when you do this, but really what I was doing was just isolating myself. And it wasn't very fun. Thank God he knows what he's doing because right behind December and the holidays is the new year. And with January comes a new beginning, right? And I asked everyone on my Instagram I, to let me know, like, do you do New Year's resolutions? Do you 
have goals that you set for the beginning of the year. And I got to tell you, I was kind of surprised at how many people said no. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm just a weirdo, but I always set new goals each year and I write them down and I make my kids do it, which they absolutely love. I'm just kidding. Um, So this year, at the end of the year, then I always pull out the book that I wrote all of our words for and I sit everybody down and I make us go through the dreadedness of, oh my goodness, what was your word last year and how did you do? And I'm going to be completely honest, there were some people who didn't know their word from last year. But fortunately, I had written it down. So I was able to tell them their word and remind them what it was that they wanted to get accomplished this year. And crazily enough, most of us made some progression in what we wanted to do. And last year, my word was momentum. And I really do feel like God helped me with that word, accomplishing it in my life. I pray at the beginning of the year, God, give me a word and then help me to accomplish it. And last year, I started my blog and was able to um, reach out to people and just kind of let you know what God has done in my life and the struggles that I go through and that the struggle is real and uh, we should just keep rocking, right? So this year, my word is consistency. And I'm saying this to keep myself accountable for this word consistency. And I want to be consistent in every area of my life. I want to be consistent spiritually. I want to be consistent in my parenting. I want to be consistent in my blogging, in my podcasting, in my health, in every aspect. So this year, that's my goal, to be consistent. The only way I'm going to reach it is maybe through a miracle, but nonetheless, I have be more consistent than I was last year. And truly, isn't that the best we can do? Just be a little bit better than we were the year before. So with the new year comes the new goals that I've set for myself and I get back into my Bible reading. And the plan I chose this year starts out pretty early in the book of Job. If you've never read the book of Job, it's bittersweet. (laughs) Uh, Job is this guy who loves the Lord and he walks with the Lord daily and his faith is really truly amazing. And because of this, because of his obedience, God has blessed him and he has 10 children and he has livestock and he has, you know, land and servants. And, and in that day and time, he was considered like very, very wealthy. Uh, But then something happens in that first chapter. We are privy to a conversation that goes on in heaven. And it goes on between God and Satan. And in verse 7, the Lord says to Satan, From where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down it. And right here, we learn a few things about God and about Satan. 
And the first thing that hits me is that our God is so powerful and he's so amazing because unlike Satan, who doesn't have the power to know all things at all times and has to wander the earth going to and fro looking for trouble, God knows. That's it. God knows. Wherever you are in life, God knows. And that is such an amazing and comforting feeling for me to know that my God is available all the time to me and he knows without even having to be here physically what's going on. But Satan does not. And then the next thing that happens in verse 8 is a little troubling because God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Okay, this is where things get a little crazy, right? Because it's almost as if God is putting a giant target on Job's back and saying, hey, Satan, I know in First Peter that it describes you as a lion, that you're prowling around looking for people that you can devour and mess up lives. And hey, have you considered my guy Job down here? Like, what is God doing here? It's just such a crazy thing to think about that God, who is supposed to be this loving father, would point out Job, who has done nothing but been faithful and obedient to him, to Satan, who then immediately wants to cause destruction in Job's life. And what does God say to Satan? God says, okay. You can mess with his life because I know Job and I know his love for me. And you can mess with him, but just don't take his life. And that's exactly what happens. Satan comes down and he, in one afternoon, takes away everything from Job. His livestock, his servants, his children. And then Satan messes with his him bodily. He makes him break out into these boils. And I'll have to say that dealing with some back pain this last year um, has been a not nice experience, to say the least. You know, there there are times when I'm like, God, please just take this from me. Like, if I can just sit for a few minutes, that would be amazing. But this dumb herniated disc just wants to cause trouble in my life. But I can't imagine having sores all over my body from head to toe and trying to break them open with broken pieces of clay just to get some sort of relief. And this is where maybe you've heard part of the story where Job's wife comes in about this time and I'm not sure if her idea and her thought process was like, hey, let me help you out by this, or you're driving me nuts, man, and this is a great way to just take you out. But nevertheless, what she says to Job is she says, why don't you just curse God and die? And while her suggestion is 
not very kind. It's not the right thing either. It's not what God wanted for Job. And Job's understanding of this and his answer to her is so profound. In Job 2.10, he says, Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? It's basically what Job is saying to her is that age-old question of why does bad things happen to good people? And he's basically telling her, we live in a fallen world. And because there's sin that has entered the world, through that comes bad things and comes hardships. And just because I love God and I try to obey him, why does that mean that I shouldn't have bad things that enter into my life? All I know is that God knows And he has a masterful plan that I can't see, you can't see, but I know that he is faithful and that he is good and that we can trust him. Did you know that Job was actually never given the reason for why God allowed Satan to destroy his life? He goes through this whole thing and he actually gets to talk to God. Or God talks to him. But a reason, a a why was never given to him. And for me, that's really hard. Because my personality type is one that seeks knowledge, that seeks the truth. Like, I have to know why. I need to understand. Why? Why did you do this? Why do things happen? You know, Greg would talk about how he never asked God why. He never wanted to know why God allowed him to get sick. Well, that's because probably I have asked God why a million times. Like, why? Why, God? Why did you take Greg and not me? Like, he was the voice. He was the one who could pastor the church and and could share about the good news of the gospel. He was the one who was leading people to Christ, who was baptizing people, who was seeing life change. Like, couldn't God have looked at our family and said, you know, I can accomplish the same thing through death, but only take Lori and leave Greg because he's the one that has the voice. He's the one that has the platform. But God doesn't always tell us why. And the things that he chooses don't always make sense. I've thought a million times why it would have been better for God to have taken me, not even to say the fact that Greg would be stuck here and I would be having a great time in heaven. But that's just being a little jealous, I think, of the fact that here I am and I know he's having a wonderful time and good for him, right? But I love that Job brings her back and says, you know, this is what we live in. We live in a fallen world. I can't expect God to only bring good things in my life and not allow other things to happen to me. Job was never given a reason for why these things happened to him, but we are. In James 5.11, it says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. 
Okay, so I can hear the questions even from inside my own soul. Again, we're wrestling with how can James say that God is compassionate and merciful when he purposefully pointed Job out to Satan? But let me point you to the end of Job's life. The Lord comes and he actually speaks to Job and his friends. And Job's friends, while having good intentions, and honestly, when his friends came over in the beginning, they were amazing. I mean, these dudes sat with Job and cried and didn't say a word for a week. They just mourned with him. And it's so hard when you're in mourning and and people who haven't had a loss like you have feel somewhat awkward and don't know what to do. But isn't it great when you have friends who don't need any explanations? They don't offer any suggestions. They just sit and cry with you. And sometimes that is just the most comfort that anyone can ask for. But then after they started talking to him, they flipped things around and kind of like Job's wife, they're like, hey, Uh, God just doesn't allow things to come into your life. You must have sinned. You must have done something. And Job was pleading his case saying, no, I haven't done anything. I've always honored God. Well, at the end of Job's life, God does come and speak to him and his friends. And he tells them it wasn't anything that Job did. Instead of pointing the finger at Job, he points back to himself and he reminds them, of how great he is, how all-powerful he is, that he's the creator of everything, that he has a perfect plan and purpose for each of our lives. And then because of Job's faithfulness and because of God's great compassion and mercy for us and for Job, he restored all that was lost to Job. He doubled his fortune, his livestock, his servants, and he gave Job 10 more children. Obviously, we can conclude that Job, it wasn't like it went back to normal for him. It wasn't like he didn't grieve those first 10 children, but he did let himself appreciate and enjoy the children that God gave him and It says at the end of Job that he died an old man and fully, even though Job never got an explanation on this earth about why all this happened to him, he did experience more blessing from God because in the time of his hurt, instead of running from God, he turned to him, he talked to him, and God answered back. God may never answer us in an audible way like he did Job. And thank goodness, because every time God talks to people in scripture or an angel appears, they freak out. And I'm pretty sure I would do the same. So I'm okay with God just bringing things in and out of my life to lead me. But the fact is that he is the answer in our life. He's the answer in our heart. When we draw near to God, he does have compassion and mercy for us, and he brings comfort in our despair. He blesses our faithful obedience 
and brings hope for our future. If you are walking through a tough time in life like I am, let's let Job's story be a guide to us. We may never know or understand why things happen in our lives, but true comfort and hope comes from clinging to God and trusting Him with the pieces of our beautifully broken lives. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the example of Job. Thank you that we can look to him and see so many things about how life really is bittersweet, but how great and powerful you are, God. Thank you for your compassion and for your mercy on all of us as we walk through this life, God. I pray for each one of us as we go through our different struggles, that you would be with us, that you would guide us, that, God, you would put in our hearts the desire to walk with you, to trust you, to lean on you so that we can feel your full amount of compassion and mercy in our lives. I pray that you would strengthen us today and this year. We pray these things in your name.